Uh, we'll see what else is about this, but like, uh, uh, yeah, uh, I think that probably accurate. no, 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 probably I accurate. Think, uh, go no, ahead. I think my next <laughs> when you when you're done, I'll, I'll I think it it hit this morning like a, a reminder of what the real question is. Okay. Hey, welcome to Developers Hangout, a podcast for developers by developers, a place where we get together as often as possible and discuss a wide range of topics from books we're reading to latest news and commentary on other tech podcasts. I'm Nathan Kirschbaum and joining me is... Hey, I'm Al for Nutilli. All right. Hey, Al, how you doing? Uh, good, good, good. Good. Been a couple of weeks, but a uh, lot, lot, a lot of things going on, um, and we'll jump right into it quickly. Uh, I we did want to mention though before we begin, um, we've got some really great feedback on the podcast so far, uh, but we're really looking to uh, get get some more opinions on that. So we put, we're going to put together a survey. And we'll put a link in the podcast notes, but it should take you all of, I don't know, 15, 20 seconds to just look at it. I think it's going to be five, 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 ten questions um, just to find out what kind, you know, we do a few different sections. Uh, we want to find out what your opinions are, what you like the most. Um, maybe, maybe you guys would like to uh, hear some guests every now and again. So we just want to get some feedback and uh, see what you're thinking. Maybe we should make a Slack room. So easy to do polls in there and everything. Yeah. Yeah, we could definitely do that. Um, So there's that. Um, And then, yeah, I think we can just jump right into, um, you know, news and and the goings-on over the last couple weeks. (laughs) That must have been my grammar. (laughs) I'll let you start with the... Uh, NASA stuff. Sure, sure. Um, yeah, so so it was interesting. I was I kind of at the end of the day uh, yesterday actually. I just started um, I don't know looking at NASA videos and and I posted a couple that were really interesting. I I hadn't done any like international space station uh, videos before, and uh, it's kind of cool. And it actually I don't know maybe it was just because it was like getting late at night or something. But there was some interesting parallels in my mind to what we do with development. Um, and obviously, you know, they're, they're limited, but like what I'm talking about specifically is, um, and I didn't consider this, uh, you know, so the, the, the international space station, I think usually holds up to like six people, uh, in different parts of it. And what's interesting is people don't stay there that long. And there's, there, they, uh, a lot, all the team members work on, um, different things but also similar things but they're not around that long so interesting things happen when you're not around that long like they have to have ways of like knowing um where they stash things or how they did things or where you know like uh things like that because it's pretty like you'll see if you watch the video it's pretty jumbled there's like a lot of wires a lot of storage space it looks like kind of a mess honestly but organized chaos and so it's just kind of like thinking about like the best practices that you would have to go through and like the organization techniques you'd have to go through in an environment like that kind of reminded me of things that we talk about week in and week out here, um, which is like, you know, we have a small team of people, uh, you know, five, six people, and we have to kind of like, how do we, how do we uh, know where to find something when someone else has worked on something? Or how do we know, um, you know, like, how do we work together and be efficient um, when, you know, so, something I did six months ago, Al, you might be picking up, 
uh, now and kind of, you know, ha- have the best practice around it. So, so it, you know, honestly, it's just kind of a nerdy uh, video that was fun to watch. I had not watched space station videos before, but I do think that there were some interesting parallels to like some of the stuff we've been talking about. So I, so I put it on our list. Yeah, no, it makes sense. It makes sense. Did they come up with these ideas and conventions out of uh, just experience kind of thing? Yeah, kind of. I mean, they basically, um, and you can see, uh, you know, there's, um, they've had trouble because like you can lose, like you don't know when when they get supplies or things, they don't know whether they're going to need them now or in a year and a half. So they actually have like computers that help them with everything. They scan everything in and, and you know, would describe where they put things so when someone else needs something they can figure out where it is because it's it's kind of you'll if you if you watch the videos it really is organized chaos it seems it seems that way from outside view anyway i'm sure it's kind of like um, say that it's kind of cool because i was just thinking like uh php storm where you start typing and it's like oh this is what you want yeah be kind of cool if we could patch it into every repo we have Um, (laughs) but then i can only imagine how slow it would get right um but yeah no sounds good yeah yeah all right. Well, the next one is another uh, great full stack radio interview. Uh, uh, the, uh, Adam interviews Corey Haynes, uh, Four Rules of Simple Design. Uh, they mentioned a podcast during that podcast uh, or a, a video series called Destroy All Software, which I, I hear um, mentioned in a lot of places. So I'm, I'm looking forward to watching some of those. And then reading the book, Four Rules of Simple Design. And again, just, um, you know, just some interesting ideas on how to just uh, approach your software, uh, let it kind of grow, uh, and, and let the design patterns come from it and, and help you, uh, organize it that way instead of forcing, um, design patterns into it and, and, and also like pre-optimizing, which I see uh, can be an easy habit to fall into. Yeah. That's really interesting and key. I think we, we hear that over and over, um, you know, that we, there's so much, so many times, and I think, you know, this is every developer does this, but you know, you want, you learn about a new pattern and you want to, <laughs> yeah. you want to use it. You want to, you know, you want to, you want to learn its insides and outs. And so, uh, you know, you end up using it on a project that like doesn't really deserve it, or, you know, you, you're not really solving the problem that it was really set out to solve. Um, yeah. but, and it's, it can be really hard. So it's a good reminder. Yeah. Totally, totally. And I like the, like, uh, you know, don't, you know, pull something out into its own whatever until you see a pattern. Uh, that could be the third time you have to deal with that same thing, you know. Mm-hmm. And how, like, you know, dry doesn't mean not repeating your code as much as repeating um, knowledge, you know. So right. you might have the same for each loop in two different classes, but it's the knowledge you want to centralize. Right. Yeah, that's a good point, too. That's yeah. really good. I remember when, when I first started working on... Uh, project in particular that we were just like using um we were using traits for everything and 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 repo- the repository pattern for everything even when there wasn't like you know even when it wasn't a giant class or there weren't like shared uh it really wasn't a need yet for any shared yep. logic yeah. um yeah. and it did lead it, it did end up leading to some confusion and and you know whatnot later so yeah sage advice no it's good it's good to hear all right, I put the next one up there about uh, Ember.js. Uh, it's a changelog um, interview, which, again, I don't always think they do a great job interviewing, but it's worth mentioning this one where Brian Cardarella from Dockyard, um, they have redone their whole site in Ember and uh, Elixir, but I'm more concerned about Ember or interested because uh, I've been thinking this a lot is like we go Angular in a lot of our projects, and with Angular 2 coming up, there's a lot of new stuff to pick up. Mm-hmm. 
in Ember from the beginning, uh, uh, ha- has had opinions about how a project should be built. And it's because of those opinions that as a team, you could jump in and know the opinions and build something. Where with Angular, it's the other way. It's unopinionated. And that's why we had to inherit um, John Papa's guide. Um, but with the Ember, its opinions and its CLI or command line tool, you can really build out a, a consistent application, kind of like we do uh, now because of John Papa and kind of like we do now with Laravel where we have the great command line tools. Um, so I, I just start thinking sometimes like maybe Ember is the better choice because of the opinions it has and the structure it gives a team. Uh, and with Ember, uh, you know, Angular 2 threw a lot of new stuff in the ring and that's fine. Ember as well is going to have a lot of new stuff to bring in the complexities of JavaScript, uh, ECMA 6 or 2015. And, um, and, and, and so we're not avoiding that because I don't think you can, but I think, you know, either direction you're going to have a learning curve. And, and I sometimes wonder why not just jump into Ember's learning curve and, and we get more out of it. Um, the other thing too is Yehuda Katz is a big, is the lead behind Ember, one of the two, I think. And he's just known in the community for just a hardworking person who is in, in influencing everything from the JSON API to Ruby on Rails to uh, so many things. Uh, so it's it's really interesting to to think about his mindset behind this as well. Yeah, that's really interesting. I wonder, like, I wonder how that'll work because I know that you know in past experiences, like. Um, it's been mixed results with really when, when the when the lead maintainer or the or the project itself has like really opinionated ways yeah. of doing things. Um, yeah. It can work out. It can work out. Sometimes it can work out really well, but other times it can put put off the community in some ways. I mean, I think yeah. I think Laravel is a good example where it actually like Laravel is pretty opinionated software, um, but it, it still allows a lot of flexibility. Um, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see. I think you know, uh, you know, as as our team starts to delve into um, Ember, um, what our yeah. what our experiences are um, compared to others we've yeah. used. Some things, though, uh, opinions. It's a funny thing. Opinions can be either conventions or configurations in many ways. And I think Laravel and Ember both follow the uh, you know convention over configuration. Mm. So the opinions can come from how you name things to how, where you put things and you know, then those things just kind of magically come together. Um, so Laravel doesn't care if you build repositories or puts this class in this folder, right? Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, it's it's it, these conventions of like how you name your tables, how you name your, uh, your ID fields, you know, mm-hmm. that brings everything together quickly. And so I think Ember, its opinions wouldn't be as, uh, you know, they, they might not be as... Uh, uh, what's the word? Restrictive as it might sound. Right. So, yeah. So that that was, it was a good interview. Um, and it's just a reminder of Ember.js. It's something I really uh, get tempted to dive into. Yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting. I'm going to have to look more into that. Um, so another thing, uh, going news, uh, just wanted to touch base on a couple of conferences coming out, actually. The first is PHP World 2015, which I believe is in... Um, what is it? D- is it DC this year? Yep. Yeah. So that looks pretty good. I think it's a week long conference. Uh, they've got all kinds of stuff. Uh, you can check out their website. We'll include a link in the notes. All kinds of stuff going on. Um, Are you going? I, I've been thinking about it. I don't. I haven't made a decision on that one yet. Um, ha, uh, have you? No. <laughs> I'm still recovering from New York. <laughs> yeah, I, I may not go. We'll see. It would be fun. It would be really fun. I don't know if I can. 
another week, uh, you know, because you, you can't get much work done at these kind of like week long conferences. So nope, nope. Uh, we should start the Hololens conferences. I'm telling you, we yeah. just PHP Hololens world. Uh, <laughs> so we just do it on Hololens. Oh yeah. So yeah, you know, we do regular PHP, but we all meet in this augmented conference world. Yeah. So, That'd be wild. Yeah. <laughs> um, the other conference that's going on uh, very soon, less than I think we're less than four weeks, about three weeks away, yeah. is uh, Laracon, the the uh, the U.S. version anyway. I think about a month away for the Europe European version, um, and that's in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, I'm definitely going to this one. I know you were thinking about it, Al. Um, Still thinking. Yeah. Uh, so it should be pretty good. This one's this one's interesting. I've you know I've been to a number of conferences. This one's uh, pr- it, it's going to be much bigger than it was last year. I think there are already over four hundred people. Yeah. Um, and they've got some. They've got a really good lineup. We'll include the link in our show notes as well, so you can check that out. Um, and uh, apparently Taylor Otwell is going to be unveiling something new. Uh, <laughs> so we'll see what happens there. Which he um, likes to do. Yeah. Yeah. I think he, what was it, the previous year he unveiled Forge. Lumen. Low Lumen. And then the year before that it was Forge. Um, oh, yeah. So pretty interesting stuff. We'll see. We'll see if it's as interesting this time around. Um, yeah. but no matter what the talks are going to, the talks are really looking, shaping up to, to be, to look pretty good. And in fact, one of the things I wanted to mention was the Laravel podcast this week, um, does talk about that a little bit, but more specifically or more generally, uh, just conferences and preparing for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was just some interesting things there. Um, it was one of the tamer, <laughs> it was a little bit of a tamer show for the, so, so, but they did, they did bring up, um, one, one thing that was cool that came out of that podcast, um, there's a, I'd never heard of this. Maybe you had, there's a, uh, there's a, uh, uh, app called deck set app, which, uh, basically helps you prepare your slides with markdown. Um, mm. and apparently it's, it's, um, not as customizable, but much quicker than, uh, alternative tools out there. Um, so yeah. just thought I'd mention that and link to that. Yeah. The, uh, the, the Laricon, uh, you're going and it's going to be interesting to see like my theory is that it i don't know if you've been to these before but everybody's in the same presentation and what i feel like is that will bring unity to the the conference yeah um instead of everybody just running off into a different thing you you have this like you know centralized way to converse and experience yeah i'm excited to see how it goes i want one thing i wonder about though for that format is you know, there's a different, usually conferences are very different skill levels. You have everyone from like beginners to very advanced. You have people who are like, you know, developers, but you also have people who are like, you know, business owners, like, you know, uh, you know, CEO type or marketing type folks that aren't really, you know, so, so it'll be interesting to see. I suspect that the conference just focuses mainly on the development and not the other aspects of it, but it'll be interesting to see even how they distinguish between, uh, or you know how how they deal with the fact that there's probably a pretty big discrepancy in the crowd in terms of uh, experience, development experience, and Laravel experience. No, it's a good point, and it, it might be yeah, it be it would be cool to see, and it would be maybe it's a good example of how a conference can just focus on a certain level in in, in interest, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it's okay, you know. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, we'll see. It's uh, it, you know again, I just feel like at the other conferences, it's. Everybody just runs off and you get back together and you're like, what did you hear? And it's like, it would be nice to say, well, what did you think of what we just heard? Right. You know? Oh, absolutely. So. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think that'll be nice. And it'll also it'll also add to the kind of like that there are social aspects built into it too with um you know, I think there's lunches and dinners and social oh, yeah. periods with probably some drinking. So we'll see how that go- that all goes. And going to bed early. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's what I would do. <laughs> um so that'll be cool. Um let's see what's next. I think um I just wanted to touch base real quick on um, New York City camp. You and I went down last – was it last weekend or the weekend? I can't remember now. I think it was last yeah, weekend. Last um, week. And pretty good camp. Um, and I just was curious, like, you know, uh, wanted to find out a little bit how, how, about how you felt about the panel – uh, I, I actually ended up, um, <laughs> I, I ended up kind of helping with the panel a little bit, yeah. uh, being a host. I, uh, so that was interesting. I wasn't expecting to do that. Um, yeah. but yeah, I thought it was a really good, I thought it went well, the panel, it was interesting. Um, of course the, the topic was just kind of basically a, a panel comparing or just discussing the nuances of, um, various frameworks. Um, yeah. Especially these, uh, smaller ones, slim, um, Silex and uh, React PHP, right, uh, and then Lumen slash Laravel, right. So yeah, well, I'm just curious. Like, aside from the fact that I think it went well, what, do you have any thoughts on, um, you know, just how it went, or any interesting, any interesting things that that happened there for you? Right. Like, if you weren't there, I would have said it didn't go well because my angle was like, you know, here I am trying to do a presentation because of all the security stuff. There was a delay in people getting there. Uh, so I'm sitting there doing a presentation to a very small room, uh, and there was just no, you know, it's like, here's your spot to speak from. It's like, oh, I'm cramped over in this, like, leaning into a mic with my arms, like, in an awkward awkward place, so I couldn't <laughs> type. So everything just kind of went, you know, yeah. foobar from there. And, you know, uh, so I just went with it. I tried to type, tried to show people, because I didn't use slides, because I, I tried to, you know, and I'm maybe going to learn my lesson, but I try to just show people because uh, I, I like to see stuff more than just slides of things. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was difficult. And, and then I think you mentioned it. It's it's still sometimes hard to figure out, like, at what level can you teach but not lose everybody. Right. Um, so, you know, I don't know what that level is. But then again, I did mark the session intermediate. So hopefully that would help people see, like, hey, I'm not going to, you know, uh, go at a certain level. Right. Right. So, uh, so I, I mean, you know, so that was all, you know, a bummer, uh, overall, cause I really like things that go well and I practice a lot, but I didn't have a backup plan for it. What if I'm hunched over, crunched up, can't type and, you know, and the mic was far away. <laughs> right. And I, yeah, I think you were a little rushed for time too, honestly, cause what, it, I think it started about 15 minutes late and you only had a well, yeah. 30 minute session. Yeah. Or 40, that's a good point. So was, I think it was a little tough. Um, yeah. but actually um, I think I, you, you're making it sound like it went really bad. And I think, <laughs> uh, by the way, just for, for folks who don't know, it was at the, um, United Nations, which is a yeah. pretty awesome venue. Um, yeah. but it did take, um, uh, some of the rooms were oversized. So even when you had, I mean, I think Al, you probably had 20, <laughs> somewhere between 20 and 30 right. people in the room, but we were, well, you, we were in a room that held 200 people. Yeah. So <laughs> well, when you say a good venue, but it's like a good venue is, is, uh, like, you know, here's your big mic, hold this while you type. It's like a good venue has all the AV stuff in mind so that you can stand or sit or have a mic attached to you so you don't have to hold something. Right. You know, these are the things that I think make a good venue, right? Right. Uh, you know, and sound and audio and video. So they had a lot of, you know, they had the nice screens. But, you know, it was just like, here's your mic, hold it. And it's like, I can't hold it and type. I didn't think of this. <laughs> yeah. So, um. Uh, 
So anyway, I don't. I think it went a little better than than Alan's yeah. making it sound. Well, <laughs> the panels, the <laughs> right. panels really. The panel was fun. It was great to talk to. Uh, who was it? Larry Garfield, Ryan. Uh, uh, I can't say his last name, <laughs> and the guy who did React PHP. So it was good in that way. Yeah, I think it's Ryan Sharma or something. The, yeah, the commerce right. guys. Commerce yeah. guys, Ryan. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was really cool, and it was interesting to see um, to just get people's take on. Um, on you know what you know it's interesting for the drupal world too there were a lot of drupal folks there and drupal yeah. was moving from drupal to seven to drupal eight which um is more in line with uh, it's using a lot of the base component like symphony base components and is kind of proper object oriented uh model in a way that drupal seven is not um yeah. so so it's a, it's kind of a move in that direction and so it's, it was interesting to see like you know to pose the question like well if i'm someone if i'm someone who's experienced with drupal and i and I know a little bit, uh, a little bit, but not much, or know nothing yep. about um, these other frameworks or object-oriented PHP. Like, where would you dive in? Um, and <laughs> not then, Symphony. <laughs> yeah, well, that was interesting. I mean, there was debate about that, you know. Well, and I, well, I like, don't think there's debate. I know, I, think, I know. What the? Uh, I, I, I probably agree, but I'm pretty biased because I don't. I, uh, you know, I've, I've used some Symphony components, and um, yeah, of course, but the I've components, not. Yeah. I've not really tried to. Uh, to use the symphony framework so but you know yeah yeah so, so anyway it was yeah. interesting to hear the different different sides of it yeah my point was hey start in slim or lumen or laravel or silex because you can see routes you can see a route file you can get in there and not have yaml files and in configurations all over the place but instead just open up a file and have fun yeah yeah you know? And, and to me, that that's what really got me going with Rails or Sinatra or Laravel. It's like, wow, look at this. Or Slim. Yeah. Yeah. So. That makes sense. Um, all right. Well, the next one is the uh, economics of sleep. Uh, finally, someone agrees with me. So this is a really great podcast called uh, Freakonomics. I can't say enough. This is a really fun podcast. In this one, they're doing a two-part series on uh, the economics uh, or economics of sleep. And basically, um, it, it's just, it's interesting. I mean, the science behind it and so forth and where, you know, it, it really might come down to early to bed, early to rise. And I know in our culture, it's like stay up late, burn the candle at both ends. But I know I go insane. I just basically can't think straight and I just want to bite everybody's head off, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's like, uh, for me, early to bed, early to rise, I, I can avoid the temptation of staying up late to get the last thing done, but wake up early and get it done quicker. Yeah. Um, and, and so it was just, a, it's a good podcast, good in a good uh, series. Yeah. I always feel uh, better in the mornings, I think, you know. Can't say uh, enough. Yeah. yeah. No. That's tough. Although I do need, I think I do need more people. Like, I don't know, a lot of people, I, I guess it's average, I think, that people need about eight hours of sleep, which is what I think I need, seven to eight hours. But that's um, a good point. But it's funny because a lot of people don't. Uh, a lot of people. I don't think I do. Yeah. But it, he, they mentioned that. And I'm like, huh, I didn't, I don't think it's true for me. Yeah, I know my dad for I don't know. He he's he always has gotten like five hours of sleep, yeah, four or five that's hours, what I do. and it's like yeah. you know, and he and it doesn't it doesn't affect him. But if I was only getting five hours of sleep, man, I'd be I'd be useless. I might be less grumpy if I got more, but overall, <laughs> when I get eight, I just don't feel like oh, I feel like oh, you know, uh, just not as 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 there. Yeah. But the other thing too is they also mentioned naps in the middle of the day, and that could be a twenty minute nap, and it's it's a challenge. But it's like, well, what if this stuff works? You know, right. Yeah, I've experimented a little bit with that, but it doesn't. It's hard for me to take unless I'm really tired. It's hard for me to take quick twenty minute naps and feel good at the end of it. Yeah, yeah. So. so good, good episodes. Cool. 
Uh, so Hololens, I man, I you know it's funny. I I want so we're circling back around on this. You actually, I think you tweeted this earlier in the week um, yeah. of a, a video, a mine, Minecraft video, and it's funny because yeah. we've talked about Hololens in another episode, and you've brought up I don't know, God, like ten times with me, augmented reality, like just in our conversations or whatever. Yeah. And I don't for whatever reason, I. I I didn't re- didn't really click about like what all of that meant until I watched this video. Oh, wow. cool! And then cool. I was just like, "Whoa, this is amazing!" Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, maybe. Uh, so I don't know. What, maybe you can introduce this video, and I, we'll post a link too, yeah. so people can watch because it's really cool. Well, uh, other than the kind of um, uh, overdone announcer who introduces a video, if you just make it into like forty-five seconds or so, they pull out the tech and they just show you how. Um, uh, how in this very simple example, the person can go from watching and playing Minecraft on a wall, again, no screen, just a wall, uh, to then just playing it for real on top of a table. Um, and it's, it's, uh, it's just awesome. I mean, my little six-year-old son is just like, when can I get this? And another boy I was uh, trying to get into computer stuff at 10 was like the same thing. So, um, so you start seeing like how this stuff uh, can really change the way we interact with everything. But uh, like I was telling you the other days, like we had that one session where we were talking about um, accessibility tools, right? Mm-hmm. Now imagine wearing these and you have low vision, but you walk into a room and it's like, hey, this table is like five feet from you. I'm going to make it brighter so you can actually see it, you know? And yeah. so you can start augmenting uh, people's realities and not just games, but just how we interact with the world uh, and help us. Like uh, one of the things in the session we had uh, to talk about these tools was uh, people with low vision have trouble reading their bills, and then they don't know how much to pay. But now you hold the bill up to your glasses, and it's like this is what I'm reading you. And I, you know, and, and even more simply, it's like I'm going to zoom in at 100, and you can now read this yourself. Right. You know? Right. So you just, I'm just starting to see like, wow, this stuff is really. Uh, there's so many possible uh, angles for this stuff, and it's scary at some points, but you know. Um, scary is is kind of relative like scary is what we do with our cell phones now if you talk to people from 20 years ago mm-hmm. so. yeah i just couldn't get over how realistic it looked and i don't know if it, you know obviously yeah. obviously like maybe different when you actually have um the glasses on yourself but but at least the way that they recorded it yeah. was so yeah. realistic uh that and, and i've you know having tried um yeah, Some Oculus, Ver- Rift. Oculus Rift and right. Yeah. Um, it, it was cool, but it was almost too immersive for me. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I really like the idea of like having, you know, basically like putting a pair of glasses on and everything essentially looks the same except for some things are modified. Um, yeah. And that's really, it's really interesting. Yeah, it is. It's, it's something I keep thinking about now. Yeah. Um, cool. So, um, <clears throat> the last thing on our list for kind of news and links, uh, just kind of podcast I stumbled across, uh, and I hadn't heard of it before. It's been around a while, I think, but it's called the unmistakable creative podcast. Um, and it's not too like, it's techie, but it's not like, it's not like, it's not, it's not, it's some of the business side stuff too. And, and, and business strategy and things like that. But they did have an interesting, uh, one of their more recent, um, episodes, um, was unlearn everything you know about business with DHH, which was pretty interesting. The first, I don't know, the first actually 15 minutes or so, if you've ever heard DHH talk before, uh, he's got a, you know, he tells a story and it's kind of, it gets a little repetitive, but after that, 
Um, it was pretty interesting. Talked about his most recent book and just kind of like some of the thinking and philosophy that went into building their businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that's interesting. You know, someone as someone who's kind of business minded and kind of help, if if not building products or businesses, helping other people build products and businesses. Um, it, it's kind of it was it's kind of interesting to think about those kinds of things and to think about going against the grain in some of those ways. Just like the simplest example, I mean, I, I remember years ago, I don't know, whatever, five six years ago, where we were, you know, everyone was doing RFPs, like RFPs were the thing oh, yeah. to do, and it was just kind of like, um, and I, I don't think DHH and his company were the ones to to, to figure this out, but they did it they did it fairly early on where they basically just said like, we're not going to do this anymore. We're not going to spend 40 hours building giant yeah. proposals because that's, that's actually not what the customer yeah. wants. Um, so just stuff like that was really interesting. How did they do that? What did they say? Here's an RFP. We're not going to reply to it. Yeah. Or we're reply yeah. To it? So they, how did they find their work? Right. So they, so what, what they, first they started just like narrowing it down. And so instead of a 40, you know, instead of a, whatever, a big giant 20 or 30 page RFP, it, it, they said, well, let's just take it down to 10 see what happens and like no one complained and they they basically just kept going shorter and shorter until um Mm. it ended up being like a one-page document that didn't have all the the kind of typical right typical stuff and um you know because i you know it boils down to like people just want to know like when can you get this done and how much do you think it's going to cost which uh, you know, which is a, yeah. a, diff- a bit of a different conversation because I, I, I know the reaction there is like, well, who, you know, like, but, but you can frame it. And I, I think, no, no, that's fine. That's right. fine. Just, you know, I'm thinking of all the ones I've done in the past and, and some of them had strict requirements. Right. And maybe you're just like, well, then we don't want to work with you. Right. And I think people, you know, at, at a certain point you can do that. Like I've been a part of businesses where we weren't, you know, we were early, we, we were early enough on in our maturing process and our business process where making decisions like that. Where we say like, well, we're not even gonna we're not even gonna reply if if you have all these demands, uh, wouldn't have worked for us because we ultimately had right. bills to pay. Um, but I've also worked at places where where uh, and with people where that wasn't necessarily true. Um, I know that like you know when as I was watching this unfold, uh, yeah. Lullabot was actually so Lullabot does Drupal, but they do other stuff too. Um, they they were um, they were pretty big on this of like the no RFP. Uh, thinking I've heard I've heard them talk at uh, camps. The same things with um, uh, Four Kitchens. One of the one of the oh, wow. um, li- the leadership there, Todd, uh, and I for- his last name is so hard to pronounce. But um, Todd from Four Kitchens has basically been giving talks on this for I don't know se- six or seven years, um, and so it was kind of a big no F- no RFP movement. Um, because it really does take away, like, so it takes away from the experience for both people, but it also yeah. is a huge waste of time for both people. Like the money, the it amount is. of time and energy you spend on an RFP could be spent on a lot of other things in a lot no, better way. So, but I anyway. mean, you have people building RFPs who don't even know what it takes to build the, the thing they want. So they're just kind of filling in the blanks. Exactly. Well, and that's part of the problem too, is that at that point in the project, both people know the least they're ever going to know about the project, yeah. you know? So it's a, it's right. a really tricky thing. Anyway, that they didn't, they, we've probably talked more about the RFP issue than they did, oh, in, oh, they, oh, yeah, than yeah. they did in this podcast. But, um, it was very, that was just one example and it was interesting. It was interesting to, uh, yeah. it was, it no, was I just signed podcast. up to it. I'm going to listen to that. Cool. Um, yeah, so I think that's it for our, uh, for our news. Um, maybe on to Q and a or, uh, no, what do we have? Oh, latest, latest reading. So we're still reading building microservices. Uh, we're in the chapter about deployments. I think that's six. Uh, so, you know, we're going to wrap that up this week and, uh, it was, it's pretty, 
it's you know it's nothing new you know uh and he does talk about docker and continuous integration so that was nice to hear more about you did uh, you did mention i think i can't remember where i saw i i heard i overheard you talking to someone about how uh the book might have really come uh paid for itself was there was there some oh. <laughs> was there something that happened it's a week? good point i mean i'm starting a new project and uh you know taking over a project and, and the person's like um hey do you want to use um, this database software from Amazon. And I'm like, well, why are, do we need to use it? Like, what is the requirement that's considering this, right? And then, you know, the requirement was, well, these other two or three applications need to talk to the database as well. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, so we're building an application and then your two applications are using the same database and we're all talking directly to the database. Uh-huh. Right? And so this book emphasizes, like, don't use the database as an API. You know, build something around it so everybody can talk to it. Right. And then in doing so, you then, you know, now I don't have to talk to team A when I want to make a change to the API because I can make it on version two of the API, you know, right? Uh, or the database, I mean. Um, so you can guard around all these complications that come with sharing a database. Um, and uh, so it's just like, okay, th- this book was good because it reminded me of something that I think is maybe, you know, sometimes common sense, um, you know, it- it's good to... <laughs> It seems simple now, but it wasn't then, right. you know, and it was clearly outlined why. And then that Netflix interview, too, um, where the, where they talked to the guy from Netflix and you realized, you know, these things that you wouldn't do. Right. So, yeah, that's a good point uh, that you cool. brought it up. And that, and that was that. It's like, well, yeah, then we don't need that database. And not only that, we can build an API around it really quickly. Right. So. Very cool. Uh, and, and, you know, and part of the struggle, too, is like, hey, they want us to use Laravel, but then they want us to use a database that we don't have the awesome workflow Laravel gives us and therefore you just use Laravel and, and you lost, uh, you know, a ton of our production speed, right? Right. Because we can produce stuff quickly because of Eloquent and uh, migrations. You know, once we can't do that, you, you slow us down. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, that was, uh, that. so the, but right, you know, so that was good. And the book itself, it's, it's good. I, my hesitation is sometimes I think it's going over the surface. Uh, and I think books that have lots of chapters and lots of subjects mean that it's usually a sign to me that they're just going to touch on the surface of things. Mm-hmm. So, but everybody else seems good with it. So we're still going, uh, and, uh, and we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Sound, that sounds good. It's, it's, it's an important read. It's not, it's a, to me, yeah. it's a little dry, but it's, it's, it, it's really relevant to the stuff that we're yeah. doing right now. So. I agree. I agree. Cool. Uh, should we jump into QA? Sure. Because we have nothing left. Here we go. <laughs> so uh, code reviews and onboarding new developers. Yeah. So you and I have been working with two new developers, and it's um, it's great to have them on. Yeah. Um, what on. I'm noticing with code reviews, uh, you know, we haven't been doing them. And I realized, uh, you know, in the past, my hesitation was I'm too busy. Uh, I don't want to block it. Um, but now I'm realizing as I jump into a project that's um, – already done but now i have to revamp some things it's like wow i have no clue where anything is right so all that time i saved not doing code reviews i i lose now because i have to figure out where and why this is the way it is yeah and and then i'm touching on code that i know if i reviewed it uh not that it would be any quote better because in the end there's a lot of great stuff in there and we're still learning our design patterns but i would have caught little things like hey if this class is in here we can't test it you know right so all that stuff not only would it help me understand the code better now, um, but would it prevent some of the things I had to work around 
you know, now as well. So the time saved is definitely lost right now. So I'm starting to, you know, understand that code review isn't uh, a loss of time now. It's 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 ba- basically the technical debt issue if you don't do it now. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I know it's it's um like so so there was a podcast recently about this. Yeah. Um, and, uh, what was it? Uh, Ruby rogues, I think. Yeah. Um, so, so, and they had Derek Pryor of ThoughtBot on and, um, it's, 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 you know, uh, it it was a fascinating, um, it was, it was a fascinating and relevant for us because we're talking about this as a team, uh, right now. Um, so, so it's, so it's just super relevant. Um, but some of the stuff that was surprising to me was that, um, you know the the main purpose some at least for um at least for Derek like the main purpose of a code review is not to like find problems yes. uh, which yes. i thought was really fascinating it's, it was more to transfer knowledge and to keep keep the team on the same page and i honestly had just not thought yeah. of it that way i mean it's, I it seems so obvious but i had not thought of it that way um well i think in, we all fear it because it's like oh they're going to pick up my code it's like no we have to think this, this way though right you know? right um yeah, so it's really that was really interesting, um, you know. And there's yeah. so many different aspects of you know what can come out of it because um, I think quality is you know quality or finding bugs you know that that could come out of it. But I think they've done studies that it, and it, and it's kind of like in terms of finding bugs, it's not actually the best way to find bugs. Um, right. You know. Right. So it's it's more about learning, shared knowledge, those kind of things, um, and and, yeah. and learning and growing as a team. Um, yeah, I mean, and, and that's the thing. It's like, hey, new people to the team, spend an hour just doing code review because you'll see patterns and things that we're doing. Or, you know, as a team, we do these code reviews. So as a coder, you're thinking, okay, so-and-so is going to bug me about this, not in a bad way, but they'll be like, why did I not use this pattern? And, and I can say this is why, or I could say, oh, I should use it. So it's like having extra, um, you know, inspiration or thinking, you know? Right. Right. Um, and, and so in things like testing, like verify the tester there and now someone might remind you and then you'll think about it next time. Right. Uh, in the, in the, in the podcast just also talks about language, how to do it in a way that's not offensive right? Uh, and put people on the defense. Right. Yeah. Which is hard. That's, that's really good. important. Yeah. It's, and it's tricky too, because you want everyone to feel comfortable and you want, you don't want people to be put on the defensive or to feel threatened. Yeah. Um, so, but you also have to have a place where it's, it was interesting because it's kind of like a dichotomy in some ways. Because, um, as as Derek said, I believe Derek Pryor, the the some conflict on a team is actually a good thing. You don't want to have right. Uh, right. No, I agree. You, you yeah. don't want to have everyone agreeing because then you're not going to have new ideas. You're not going to have you're not going to have right. thoroughly explored what you're doing in a way um, that you do when you have. You, you know, when you have smart people on a team that, that really kind of think in different ways. And so when you start to dig into stuff, you've really got to, you really got to, you know, there, there are just certain things that you really got to talk about, uh, and, yeah. and work out. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so that's, and we're going to try the sprint coming up, uh, and, and try and do it and be flexible about it and, and doing it in a way where it doesn't block anything, but at the same time, um, you know, helps us to to uh, start working that culture, that part of that into our culture. Yeah. Our team. And I think one goal there is like, and they talk about this in the podcast too, is like five to 10 minutes on code review each, each, yeah. each time. Like, so, you know, I think you found a good, 
a good tweet about this too, right? Yeah, like, right. Uh, you know, the, 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 and I forget what it is off the top of my head. It's, it's 10 lines of code equals 10 issues. But when you're reviewing 500 lines of code, it's like, it looks fine. Yeah, exactly. And it's like the more you have to look over, the more you're like, you know, forget it. Right. right? So we right. do small increments, small time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes as we start to work that into our uh, workflow. Maybe we'll report back on that and as, yeah. as we learn more and as we get further along into it. Yeah. Um, all right. Cool. Um, so, yeah, the, I think the other one, another thing we want to kind of talk about, and I'd be curious to hear what our listeners have to say about this, too, is just kind of like. Uh, our scrum process and our scrum process meeting reality uh, a little bit. And um, let's see, what do I mean by that? Well, uh, <laughs> I wrote it. Yeah. So it's no, no, but I know exactly what you mean. Well, you know, but go ahead. What, yeah. what do you mean by no, that? No, no, you, you, <laughs> okay. I want to see what you think. Okay. Well, so, the, so here, so the interesting thing, so we, we've all, we've all, everyone on our team has read kind of a, a specific scrum book that, you know, very briefly, but and concisely, but in, but in a, you know, full way describes like the ideal, agile agile process the scrum process and what we're what we're trying to achieve um and whatnot and we so we've been using this uh, for all, for you know a year or more now um and it's interesting though because you know like so now our team where we just initially supported a couple applications now we're up to four that are actually in production and that's growing um and so, uh, yeah, the book, by the way, is called the 60 minute scrum book. Um, we'll include a link to that in the show notes. Um, and so anyway, our, our team, you know, our, our team has been, both our team has been growing and our responsibilities are, and the interesting part about this is like the domains, right? So we have each application is its own domain and yeah. w- we have a single team that is responsible for all of that. And so it yeah. started to, you know, like that, that's, I think that's kind of challenged the traditional scrum approach a little yeah. bit. Um, and it's made it complicated in a number of ways. Uh, just one example is, um, you know, the, the, aside from the stuff you might think of, which is, which are like, you know, between the developers that are working on the projects, like, how do we all talk about, you know, like, so there's a lot of projects to talk about and, uh, and, and, and to me in like, you know, who, who is kind of, um, you know, who's taking on certain responsibilities for each project, but we actually have worked that out reasonably to this point. Uh, what gets more complicated is kind of dealing with outside influences. So, uh, you know, product owners, uh, review and feedback and where that comes from and how we process it as a team and how we share that as a team. Um, so it's just it's been interesting and I like you know there 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 hasn't been huge problems nothing's falling apart but we are seeing weaknesses in our current system and so um we're just kind of questioning like uh what you know what do we do in this scenario and what's the best way to like you know so who's a you know like so typically there's like you know according to the book there's a scrum master right mm, who yeah. who's just, this, and it, it's really important that this doesn't the scrum master doesn't entail like um hierarchy in any way there's no boss we're a self-organized team um you know that that at least for the day in and day out and there ultimately is leadership but from the day in and day out like conversations and daily check-ins and just getting the work done um the the people are co-developers like we're you know and so but there there is a scrum master and the purpose of that person is to kind of help with help move meetings along help with the process and to help, you know, when there are maybe uh, conflicts or um, issues with outside folks, um, to kind of help 
facilitate those kinds of things. Um, yeah. And so, but the question becomes though, like what happens when there's multiple projects? Like, does that role fall apart or, you know, what, what, what makes sense for us as a team? So I don't know. So that's kind of our, that's, that's the genesis of, of this issue or, or what we're starting to think about. I don't know. Does that, does that accurately describe it Al? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, so, and, and so I think in the growth of, of using this book and, and trying to apply it to our environment, now we grow and we realize, you know, now we adapt it and we're like, there is no scrum master, right? There's, there's a team of people who, who are, um, are, are, who can lead, and in each um, sprint, we have three or four projects, and there's a developer who's really focused on that. And so they become the scrum master of that project, but more importantly, they're, they're the developer who knows the domain of that of, during that sprint. So they become the point person that uh, project owners would then talk to. And, and it's a good example on our team. Like I, I'm sometimes seen as that, but I'm like, hey, I'm not working on this project. I don't want to be a filter that gets it wrong when I talk to so-and-so what you're asking me. And so we start finding out that it's better just to send them to you, for example, right? And it doesn't uh, – it, it goes against the grain of the book, I think. But in the end, um, we do a lot of things different, and it's just because uh, our particular situation has to, right? Right. So, and it's okay. It's like, well, you take these ideas and you, and you, and you hopefully don't mess them up. Like when people try to mix agile and waterfall, mm-hmm. uh, but you ho- hopefully, um, adapt them to fit the, the situation right. uh, and learn from them. Right. Uh, so, and we just realized like we were never clear with anybody, like who is the lead? It's like, well, we know who's the lead. It's, a, it's the developer who knows the most about this particular domain because as a developer in our case, we mean someone who's not just heads down in code, but is good with people right. and responsible and, and so forth. Because Scrum is like, hey, you're all in charge of like, you're all, you all have a certain level of, of skill that lets you deal at those different levels, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, listening to the ThoughtBot interview where they're like, hey, there's a developer and a designer, they're talking directly to the project owner. Uh, and, and there's no project manager in between, which is the same as a Scrum master saying, uh, let me ask the developers and see what they think. Mm-hmm. You know, so all this stuff gets out of the way. But in this case, it gets out of the way um, at a different level because we're doing a sprint and there's not one app. There's four, Right. you know, and, and, and we just can't get down to that level of one app per sprint right. or four sprints because um, then we'd have four sprints in parallel. And, uh, you know, for a number of reasons, that's not quite um, a good idea. Yeah, at least not yet. I mean, I think yeah. I think we're in a bit of a transition period too, and which is okay. Like we, we you know, we need to be agile with our agile process as much as yeah. we are with our software. Um yeah. and be careful with that as well. I mean, there's great caution that needs to go into that, but I think that, you know, um uh, you know, so a lot of the projects that we're working on are not uh in high use yet even though they're quote unquote in production, and I think that it's possible that you know, our, our team may need to continue to grow, you know, um, we, as we mentioned previously, we've just brought on a couple people. Uh, we may need to bring on more as time goes by. And if these, you know, because when I think about it that way, when I think about it, like we, we really are supporting four pretty large applications and we're moving into like, there's, there's talk of more applications too. So, uh, as the team grows, I could see us needing to split off and have, and run like separate, separate sprint teams you know but not, not yet because there's just it wouldn't make sense there'd be like two people on a team uh and we really do at least at this point we re- at least on the high level we really do need to know what everyone else is up to because it's happened multiple times where all yeah. one sprint i'll be working on 
uh, one project and then I get moved to another project the next sprint for good reason, you know. Uh, and it's been helpful to kind of know, oh, I knew, I know Al's been working on that. I've been hearing, you know, five-minute updates on that for two weeks and now and now I'm not cold. I, I know what's going on over there. Um, yeah. No, it's a good point, yeah. though, to think about, like, at what point do you do, do you really have those multiple sprints going on? Right, right. And, it, you know, it's interesting. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that was our look at like, uh, how did you take this 60 minute scrum book and apply it to our reality where we have, you know, more than one application going at a time and mm-hmm. so forth. Mm-hmm. So cool. All right. So that was that subject and you brought up the next one. Yeah. So one thing I wanted to, <laughs> <Yeah>, this, one. <laughs> this one's, this one's interesting. Like, yeah. um, so, so. Al and I are working on a project recently where we needed to we need to put up a new a new site. Um, it's mostly a brochure site at this point, but could 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 need more in the future. Um, and so it kind of got to talking about like, well, what do we use? Do we use a CMS? Are we just going to like build this thing in Laravel? Like, what are we going to do? Uh, and we I, we start well. We said, well, hey, wouldn't it be great if there was a Laravel CMS? So we looked it up, and there in fact are. A uh, number of CMSs that are uh, either in pro, most of them are in progress, but there are a couple that are ready to use. Um, it seems like October CMS is maybe maybe the farthest along, although it's hard to say. Um, so we'll post a, a link to uh, the uh, list of CMSs that are built in Laravel, or one one list that we found that seems pre- pretty useful. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. But I'm just cur- curious. Like I took, a, I spent a little while looking at it, and like for me, like so th- the thing is, there's so much that comes out of the box with say. Drupal, like, and what I mean by that is, like, I know, like, Al's gonna, uh, we'll see what Al says about this, but, like, yeah, uh, yeah uh, I think that probably, accurate. no, no, that's no, probably I accurate. Think, uh, go no, ahead. I think my next, when you, when you're done, I'll, I'll I think it, it hit this morning, like, a, a reminder of what the real question is. Okay, so, like, for me, it's like, I'm okay, so we decided that we're gonna just jump into this thing with Laravel. We're not gonna do a CMO. We looked at October, but it's like, it's like somewhere between, like, October is like somewhere between, um, uh, like you still need to dig into the code and it's not, it's not, uh, it's not polished in the way that like it, it was going to basically, it might, it might actually might be great. I should, I, I spent all of a half an hour looking at this thing, but what, what we realized is we were going to have to learn a lot to like start using this. And so maybe this wasn't, maybe this quick project that we needed to do wasn't the best time to like learn how to use a CMS that m- we may or may not use ever again in the future. Um, yeah. And so we just, we stick with, just like stick with what we know. We know Laravel, we can, we can, we can fly through this and get this thing done. Um, so we did, but my question is like, now we're coming to things like well like it would be great to just like have just be able to put pages anywhere uh and have that happen through the cms like it would be nice to just like you know and when my days with drupal it's just like man i could just install a module and like i'd have all these like advanced seo options and like things would happen automatically for me um and i wouldn't i don't have to think about you know this that and the other thing so there's there's just a whole lot of stuff we have to think about um, when we're starting with Laravel and, and taking it kind of from a more ground level than, um, than if we were to just have said, ah, let's just use Drupal or whatever. So, so anyway, uh, it just, it was, it's an yeah. interesting, interesting conversation. I'd like to get some here, what other people are doing and thinking, uh, in that regards. Um, I don't know. You have thoughts, Al? Of course. Yeah. Um, <laughs> in the past when I've been asked to build a CMS, I started to ask the client, well, what is it you really want? And, and when you ask them and you realize you know, they do want some CMS ability, but 80% of the project is not about the CMS. It's about maybe a store, some great static pages to show what they do, and then a little bit of content editing in their blog area. So now you've gone from a CMS to a, to a 
to a brochure site with a blog feed, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So I think it just depends on the situation. And, and if you take that example, then you're done. You install a blog library, uh, you get tagging, you get slugs, you get everything, right? Mm-hmm. So I think instead of trying to build uh, web sites into CMSs, you should be able to plug enough of what you need into the website to get what you need and not more. Mm-hmm. And so that was always my problem with other things. It's like they're so inclusive that I had to spend you know, a ton of time excluding most of it or mm-hmm. going around its way because it didn't do what I needed in the other areas. Right. So it, it's, it's very rare, I think, someone needs a CMS. And, and when they do, then you approach it from like, hey, what is the best CMS? I think it's more common that we need a website or application that has some CMS ability mm-hmm. in one area. Right. So that's when you, you know, you can think about these other things and then you get into, you know, what is, what is, you know, and then you start thinking, well, do you need a workflow? Do you need, you know, um, revisions? You know, these are the things that you can think about, but not assume. Right. Uh, so, um, so I think, yeah. So, and that's, so that, that's my take on it really, you know, I, I, it's looking at the question a little differently. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, it's a really good point. Like I know, like I have experienced that when I was when I was uh, doing mostly Drupal development. Like there's just you get out, you get a lot out of the box, and it's kind of hard to decide. Like you know, it's kind of it, like for example, we were trying to do a we wanted to just do a simple API um, and like essentially run headless Drupal, and with Drupal seven, like yeah. you, you, every time you do an API request, the entire theme layer loads. Um, you know, so that, and I think that's an example of what you're saying is like, if, you know, if for example, uh, Drupal was compartmentalized in such a way where we could have the full thing, or we could just pick what exactly what components we want and nothing more, um, it would be a different story. And so it does uh, like, I think that there's a, there's an empty space like that, that is, you know, clearly this list of people that are trying to build CMS on Laravel are trying to fill, um, yeah. because I do think about it, like, you know, for us, like we're, de- we, people who are developers who work with Laravel every day, like no problem, like set, set, you know, set, setting this stuff up, doing this, doing, doing what you describe where it's like, Hey, we just need a static site except for this blog and maybe a, a couple other things. Right. And, and it's just going to be, it's going to be simple. It's going to be cake for us to set up. We, we you know, <clears throat> we work on much harder things all day long, most days. Yeah. Um, yeah. but for people who like are small businesses who have like, you know, who don't have a giant budget, right. you know, like they've got right. a $1,500 budget or a $3,000 right. budget. Then, like that's not going to, you know, like. You, you, yeah, you, but then you wouldn't, you wouldn't talk to them about a CMS. You would say sign up for, uh, who's that company? Um, Squarespace. Go sign up for WordPress.com. You right. don't talk to them about, a div- you don't even, you hang up the phone. They can't <laughs> afford you, right? If they have that little money, that's fine. Go use one of these great services and get going. No, I know, I know, but right? it, I know it's even just yeah. I, I hear you. I hear you. I, I think I think the 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 thing that these projects are missing is that PHP has grown and and you have composer packages, namespaces, and everything. So we stop looking at solutions and we start looking at uh, it's like Legos. It's like you know you can buy the kit and build what you want and then tear it apart and build 20 other things out of it, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, instead of thinking about the, the CMS, you think about the whole thing and you use these new, you know, you use PHP, PHP's, like, you know, new newer features and, and to your advantage, right? Like, I need library X, Y, and Z, and now you have your site, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so, that makes sense. 
so maybe that's where these projects are missing out. And, and they're trying to do like with, you know, I was thinking about Linux just got Netflix because Netflix went, I think, HTML5 with DMI built in. Right. Or DRM. And I'm like, you know, that's great, but it, it doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. You know? Uh, so these are the things that like, you know, hey, we can do this too, but honestly, it just might not matter anymore with, with PHP's new way of doing things. Yeah. No, that makes sense. I hear, like, to me, like, something's unsettled to me about this because, um, like, you know, I, I hear you where it's like, okay, if it's a small project, like, that's not something you and I are going to be working on anyway. Um, but the, to me, like, there's also a piece of it, which is like, you know, businesses in general, like, there's a reason why giant organizations choose Drupal. Right. Consistency. Uh, right. There's, it's consistency. But yeah, but you, okay, okay. That's, that's, okay. Consistency doesn't come from frameworks. Consistency comes from style guides. You and I know that. We've taken on a hundred Drupal sites and they're all different. Yeah, I understand, but I, I, I don't disagree with you. I think that like, um, so there's like the skill, there's like what skills and what kind of team do you need to get yeah, something up okay. and running, yeah, right? Yeah. And so on a certain scale, like if you're a company that like, that, yeah. that you know, like you, you, it's like, hey, I just need, I just going to yeah. have like four or five developers in house and I'm running two, yeah. two sites or whatever. And these guys rock, uh, yeah. like you, you're right. You wouldn't, you wouldn't go node and Drupal, you know? Right. Exactly. No, never. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, but like, or maybe there would be cases, I don't know. But like, the point is, is, is right, right, that right. I think, you know, when you're trying to like, I think big companies would want to save too. Like, it, you know, like, it, you know, it's not, it's not just the little guy that's like, that wants to save. Oh, of it's, course. It's a, We're agreeing on saving. Right. But when you get to a big company who has the budget, that doesn't really uh, answer the argument of like, what do you use? Right. right? Well, because me, well, you, what do you use is more about what problems you're trying to solve and less about like how much, what the budget is, right? Like, right. Um, in, in my point is 90% of the time, the problem's not a CMS. You know, if you really dig into the problem, it's more than a CMS. Mm-hmm. It's, it's more. It's just so much more. Right. Uh, you know, it starts off like I need this, but then you realize you need 20 other things that have nothing to do with CMSs. Right. I hear you. Well, we'll have to continue the conversation. I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure like uh, just as time goes, cause I like, I mean, there's just a part of me that's like, okay, well let's, let's see, let's, let me put it a different way. Like I've got the technical skills to pull this off either way. Pull, right. Either like, way. Yeah. yeah. Right. And, and I, so let's say that I, like, I've got a product idea. I'm starting a new business or I, I've got a product yeah. idea. Like I just want to get like, so, th- so there's okay. a part of me okay. that like, yes, I could take a long time. I could do, I could do everything from the ground up. Or I could be like, you know, uh, Let, let's I pick could, on WordPress for a moment, okay. just so we don't, you know, because some people we know who listen to the show really appreciate Drupal and we all like it too and, and appreciate it. But let's pick on WordPress. All right. Let's say you know WordPress and you're like, hey, should I use WordPress or Laravel? I can get this right up right away at WordPress. Done. Oh, can you deploy that to production? Crap. Right. Because there's so many variables. Like, how do you deploy that? How do you test that? How do you know nothing's broken? How do you get, you know, Right. So you might make a choice. It's a quick answer, but there's so much more to it, right? Mm-hmm. And now you have developer X working on it, and Y. How do they not break it? You know, but deploy just their little pieces, right? So you know, when you when you say it can be done quickly, it's like, are you considering deployment? Yeah, and I think like, well, WordPress is a funny thing in terms of deployment because <laughs> they do they do that they do that weird thing with the database where they hard code right. the URL in the database. Right. So real, you're, you're, when you're talking about WordPress, it really is a pain to deploy. Um, yeah, but even other frameworks that you, you, unless your team really masters it, we know a shop, for example, that's really good at um, features. Right. So they can easily deploy. Um, I hear you, uh, but like, so for example, a product, the product I'm talking, like a product idea, right? Like, 
Okay. The brochure site on that, like, I'm not gonna yeah. have like the the de- I'm not gonna have like re- super complex features deployments. Like, you know, it's just like you know. Yeah, but then I would say then you don't need a CMS, right? That brochure site to advertise your idea needs a few things. Okay, so then you need a static blog to show um, some things in like, hey, contact us, and maybe you have a blog uh, in in a, a sign in form because you need to sign in to to update things, right? Mm-hmm. Is that a CMS? No. In 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 would choosing a CMS also be part of your choice of like how do I test my workers in breaking things? How do I and like you said maybe that's not relevant, but how do I import this get this theme to work because system A is harder to theme than system B mm-hmm. uh, and and uh, and so forth. Like there's so many like how do you work all those into your thinking? Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess for me, like the. <clears throat> most of that stuff is not, I don't know. It's, it, it's really tricky because like on one hand, like have, you know, it's so simple, like in terms of theming, like working with something like, um, blade or twig is just like, yeah. so simple. So like, like so you and I have been simple. enjoying yeah. this. Oh, it's great. And building. like thinking about having to do that. So I, I don't mean to pick on Drupal cause I actually, I, there's a lot of things I think your site looks for. nice in Drupal. Yeah. I, I, I've used it a bunch. I've used it for years and there's a lot I really appreciate about it and I'm looking forward to where it's going. But I honestly, when I think about doing the same things I'm doing now in Drupal and having to deal with a theme layer, I'm not excited about it. Can I do it? Yes. Yeah. I'm not excited about it. Um, but that's a different conversation from like, you know, that's a different conversation, like being excited about it or not is one fact, one piece of the factor. I just think there are more business considerations like, um, Oh yeah, no, we agree. But theming is one of them. Like why do most Drupal developers still use Garland when you go to their blog? It's cause it's a, it's a pain in the ass to theme. And it's like. Uh, and, but that would be like if you had a list of checkboxes. It's like you're saying, like I can draw, throw up Drupal, and boom, I have authentication, I have blogging, I have a front page, I have right. a view module I can plug in, right? Right. So that would get the checkbox of easy to go live with uh, a blog and authentication, right? Right. But you know, um, pulling library X, Y, and Z, and you have all that as well, and other things, you know? Yeah. So. Very interesting. Yeah. Well, uh, <clears throat> this is good. I'll be, it'll be c- c- good to see what other people have to say about this. Um, and if anyone has any feedback, that'd be great. Yeah. So that was it. Just looking at the whole CMS thing a little different. And, and I'm starting to think we don't want a CMS from Laravel either, in my opinion, now that I think about it. We want a solution that makes that, that Lego block possible for a potential client who wants a CMS. And, and what does that mean? You know? Mm-hmm. Uh, workflows, editorial processes, uh, revisions. You know, I'm assuming what it means, but I'm just saying, you know, these are some things I know. Right. Uh, and on top of all that, easy to deploy, easy to move around, easy to, um, you know, have ex- access uh, and things like that. For sure. So, um, but all right, uh, that was it on the list. Cool. Well, I think that's it for me. Um, anything else, Al? No, we'll get that poll for people to uh, survey for people to take and give us some feedback. Yeah, that'd be awesome. From there, uh, if you remember, vote uh, on iTunes. Uh, that always helps us to uh, to uh, increase our iTunes hits, uh, hits or whatever they call it, and uh, and that will help us out. And otherwise, thanks for listening. All right, awesome. Until next time.